Hello everyone, welcome back to the second episode of the Unofficial Game Pass podcast. I am once again joined by my good friend Connor. Hello everyone. And this week we're going to be looking at Remedy's Game of the Year nomination title, Control, from 2019. Um, Kind of a brief synopsis of the game. It's a third-person sort of action-slash-horror-slash-science-fiction experience. Um, And it's created by, of course, Remedy, who are the same um, company that created games like Quantum Break and uh, the award-winning Alan Wake. Uh, The game follows Jesse Faden, who's voiced by Courtney Hope, and it's sort of... Uh, sets out as she tries to go and confront uh, the Federal Bureau of Control, an organization set up by the US government to contain and study paranormal events, or as they describe them, altered world events. However, Jessie finds herself thrust into the role of director of the Bureau, and our story sort of goes from there. Um, I uh, This is the third or fourth time I think I've played this title uh, since it initially came out back in 2019, and I have to say I thoroughly enjoyed it again. Um, there's a, obviously I have my discrepancies with every game and Control is no different but I would like to sort of start off with you Connor because this was your first time playing Control yes uh, well you may be disappointed to hear I, I probably enjoyed it significantly less than you uh, which you know carries on our ranging opinions but I, I had an interesting experience with Control in that I enjoyed it greatly at the beginning, Mm -hmm. and as I went on, enjoyed it less. Uh, Now, I'll I'll explain what I mean, because when I started, you're put in quite an interesting situation where you are in this empty federal building, and you are Jesse Faden. You don't really know who Jesse Faden is at this stage. Uh, What you do get is that you're picking up collectibles are you, are you happy with me to jump in like this yeah yeah go ahead go straight for it right so you're picking up collectibles and there's a lot of collectibles which at first seem a bit scattered they're talking about ranging different things and as you go on you get to meet a few characters and there's you know a mystery unravels now my experience of previous remedy games i know that Alan Wake was one of my favorite games when it came out for the horror and the story, the atmosphere. That game was fantastic. One of my favorite games of the 360 era. Quantum Break, I started when it was on Game Pass and I didn't finish it because I I found it to be... Well, I I know a lot of people criticize that game for not wanting to be a game or a TV show and trying to do both. I I found it to be a little slow for me. Mm-hmm. I never played the original Max Payne games, but I I do respect them from a distance. So coming to Control, I'm aware of, and and I I will say how nice it is that you can tell a Remedy game by the choices that they make. I mean, obviously they they like kind of bullet time and supernatural abilities, kind of enemies who are in some way possessed or sort of these haunting apparitions well, I don't know what your experience of Remedy games are Aldrin have you have you enjoyed them in the past yeah well see Control was my first Remedy title and then I went back to play Alan Wake after that when I learned and this is no uh, secret that one of the DLCs for Control 
uh, involves Alan Wake. So I went back to play that before it came out. So that's only my real experience with it. So you haven't played Alan Wake? Oh no, I have. I've finished Alan Wake and I've played all the DLCs for Alan Wake. Uh, it's just Control oh. is my very first title and I only played Alan Wake uh, last year. Okay, fantastic. So when it comes to Control, I knew round about what to expect from a Remedy game. I, you know, I, I boot up the game. It's third person. It's a shooter. I'm very aware of kind of the thing I'm in for. And starting the game, the enemies very early on don't interest me that much if they're just kind of possessed, humanoid, faceless, nameless beings. Mm -hmm. That would be my first criticism. Um, but actually, the, the main problem I found was that the ex like the expanded lore in the collectibles that you find, which are kind of... Uh, and it's, it's based in the oldest building, which houses the Federal Bureau of Control, which Jessie finds herself as director, you know, through a, a weird series of events. Now, the federal documents reveal all sorts of expanded law, as, as we mentioned last episode of kind of the X-Files vein. Mm -hmm. And I generally found these documents to be interesting, and there's even video files which contained quite a creepy puppet show uh, yes, yeah. all these things which kind of hint at kind of plot points and and have a quite creepy vibe now i think around about the point where i discovered just how large the maps for this game were and that there was more than one area and that the sheer abundance of collectibles would mean that I would have to do a lot of reading if I were to continue to read each one mm -hmm. was the point that I dropped out of picking up. Well, I still picked up all the collectibles, but I stopped reading them. And roughly that is where I stopped enjoying control. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what you what you would say about the collectibles and about the abundance of of stuff you can pick up, mm -hmm. but it certainly felt like I I am being bombarded by pickups. Yeah. Well, I I know especially from at least my first experience playing the game um, last year. I I very much picked kind of went on a similar path to you. I picked up all of the collectibles and then kind of come late game. Uh, I was tending not to read them as much i think they really gripped me at the beginning as you were mentioning um but i think the content that's in them there's just some documents like uh there's repeats of some as well with regards to i know from my head and again this isn't a spoiler as such uh, there's a document that kind of uh, is just a general overlay to staff within the bureau of control like you know what words to use when writing to a loved one who's had someone deceased and you pick that that up on i think two or three occasions um, and obviously, yeah, an item's going to be repeated or a file's going to be repeated, but to kind of pick it up and then read it again, it feels like almost a waste of time from what is, uh, besides that, a really well-structured, intriguing, and as you kind of mentioned, X-Files source of story. Mm. And I think that some of the collectibles really struck with me. I, f I felt, you know, 
I don't want to get into too many spoilers, but the the main weapon of the game is a is a weapon that you pick up and connect with on a on a sort of a, mm, either spiritual or organic way. You know, it connects to you. Mm-hmm. And one of the collectibles talk of these kind of weapons or objects of power which occur through history and makes a link to King Arthur's Excalibur. So, you know, I'm I'm wielding this this gun looking weapon and I'm thinking, you know, this could have been Excalibur or something like that. That is fantastic lore. Like I you know, to connect to other stories that I'm aware of within this universe was really interesting. Mm. I thought, you know, as a premise, you know, there's so much you can do with this. Yeah. And uh, you know, at the beginning of the game, I was really impressed on the game with a technical level because whether you're dashing, melleeing, or you know, when you get your abilities and you get to the you get to use telekinesis, it's really impressive how the environment interacts with the player and how you can pick up things, move them around destroy things and how you can see them break apart precisely to how you've interacted with them like i was so impressed like technically this game is you know phenomenal i'd say you know it, i imagine it would be really impressive on the ultimate edition running mm. on the series x yeah i if you don't mind i just want to add on there a bit you're kind of talking about the abilities and the service weapon i think there's I, I, I'm in the same boat that I think the abilities are very enjoyable to use and they're implemented very well. Uh, I do have a few discrepancies with it, which I'll get on to now in a second. But I think especially, and now maybe this is just me being a bit um, unfair in the sense that I'm judging this as n- not just a singular game, but as a, a game by Remedy. Uh, and it's difficult to disassociate the company itself because it's made such brilliant games in the past. Um, and it, it wouldn't be fair to then kind of look at it, say, on the same level of, say, uh, well, the medium as we looked at last week or even an indie developer. Uh, I think you, you kind of go into a Remedy game uh, with a certain, uh, what's the, a certain sense of um, a standard that needs to be met. Uh, and for the abilities that you're offered you know whether it be levitate shield um yeah you know uh, throw uh, various different pieces and i i think it kind of reminds me quite similarly in a sense to its own detriment of uh, another game that incorporates abilities uh, which is jedi fallen order and i don't want to get too much into it but i i, I say that they're similar on the sense that they aren't new premises and there's nothing really new about them you know um sort of the indoctrination feature or the uh, mind control feature is very much uh, ripped from games like you know has been done before in games like shadow of mordor uh games like you know levitate certainly isn't a new feature dash as well also has been implemented in countless games to date and the same with throw um and it's not that i'm disappointed that these features were implemented i just think they could have done more uh, considering it is remedy and considering the stuff they've done in the past i kind of expected maybe a bit more uh, creative scope when it came to those features now saying that and I, w- I want to touch briefly on the service weapon as well it's an interesting concept and i love the lore behind it as you were mentioning um but the one thing i find for me is once you garner 
a certain level of abilities, the service weapon pretty much becomes obsolete. Um, and when I say a certain level of abilities, it, it's really just down to once you acquire throw, um, the service weapon kind of gets relegated to this secondary sort of slot that you use when you're out of energy. Um, and that's because, let's say, for example, you're uh, fighting against the hiss and you use uh, you come up against a shielded enemy or an enemy that doesn't have shields uh, throw is effective in both those scenarios uh, whereas you know the service weapon isn't great against shields it's borderline you know just about useful against normal enemies uh, well depending on the variant i think th some of them at least the majority of them lack a bit of punch and they don't feel um, like you're getting the most out of them bar maybe say uh, charge and pierce um but i would i would say it doesn't when you see a a non-shielded enemy your first thought at least in my mind and i kind of want to get your opinion on this is it's never to uh go for uh, go for a couple of shots with the service weapon it's more so just to launch something at them because it deals about 50 percent damage to them on a multiple of occasions and the same goes for shielded enemies as well bullets are useless against them until the shield is taken down and again i just want to reiterate the point that i feel the service weapon weapon gets relegated uh, below the abilities once it's introduced i'm kind of just what what's your kind of thought behind that do you kind of have a similar opinion to that or oh absolutely yeah i feel that this game does a, a very good job of you know what halo does when you see an elite and you know that you need to use a plasma pistol and then the the magnum you know, in the same way you see an enemy with a shield, you know you need to use telekinesis and then the service weapon, or just telekinesis twice, mm -hmm. and throw something at them twice, because uh, you know, at that point, it's faster. Uh, what I would mention is that playing this game, I get almost a, a sensory deprivation, which you know, is, is hard to explain, because when you're playing a game, you know, you, it's very much about the visuals, the audio... And then the tactile thing of, you know, how it feels in your hands with the controller. But actually, you know, when I'm playing a game and I'm in a, a, an open area, you know, an open space or, you know, nature, you know, there's even the visuals can know a sense of, of breathing or, or, you know, what that smells like. And in this game, you are confined to this federal building and the service weapon, you know, while interesting while it can change form to become a shotgun and and different weapon types it is still the same weapon with the same aesthetic and there are many points through this game where it's just like you know this would be cool if i could hold a shotgun or this would be cool if mm -hmm. there were more things that i could use telekinesis with you know if i didn't use telekinesis and i could either grab you know, the same three objects, which would be a rock chunk out of the wall, an explosive barrel, or, you know, another enemy. You know, if there were more environments, you know, I could pick up a pull cue and chuck it at someone, but that I just feel like throughout this game, you are fighting largely the same enemies with the same weapon in the same environment. Mm. And I don't feel that that was enough for me what it did do was in areas like the quarry i believe where there is very definitely a different aesthetic made those areas much more effective because i actually looked up um to the ceiling in those areas you might know what i'm talking about yeah 
and I was blown away. I thought, oh, those visuals are fantastic because all I've been staring at are these grey cement walls all game. So further, you know, further to your point, yeah, they could have been used greatly. Let me throw something interesting about. Let me shoot something, you know, from a gun that, you know, has point in the sandbox or just, you know, is feels different from what I've been using all game because when I get the stuff that I like and I'm going to use, I'm not going to swap for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that that's very true. And um, I, I want to also add on to that as, as visually stunning as the game is, I think we need to kind of uh, obviously just clarify that we played it on the Series X, both of us. Um, and I'm not sure if this is still the case, but when I initially played it, uh, I played it on the PlayStation 4, which at the time... Uh, hardware speaking was the better out of the Xbox One and um, out of the two consoles. Uh, you could run, um, let's say, when it came to the original title, when looking at control on the Xbox One, you would at times get really poor frame drop. You might at most get a a, a run quality of 720p and on the PlayStation 4 it ran at about 900p. And that's 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 a problem in itself. And I just want to reiterate, I haven't gone back to play it on those consoles, so there could well have been a patch in the standard edition that made that uh, much more accessible to individuals. Um, but yes, the game does look visually stunning, uh, as as you would expect uh, with a title from Remedy, um, especially in the sense of its variety. And it's something I want to touch on because story-wise, uh, as interesting as the characters are. Uh, the setting of the oldest house is what really draws me back to this game every time. Um, you know, different facets of, say, going... Uh, I'm not sure of the name of the location again, but you'll know what I'm talking about. The huge uh, lobby area surrounded by stairs uh, with the two trees going up the middle of it. Like, it, it looks visually stunning and it's different to, say, as you mentioned earlier, the quarry uh, or to varying other factors such as the, the core of the the oldest house and so it it offers this sense of difference while playing whilst also making everything look cohesive um i I don't know if you want to add something more onto that um i will i will i will continue with my experience with playing this game which you know plays into the areas and i will say that there are different areas, different sectors of the building that you explore. And the first one you explore, I was thinking, okay, so I've got to navigate my way from here to here based on the different missions I'm doing. Now, there's no point where you get a little pointer telling you where to go. There's no line on the floor. What you do is you press a button on the control and it brings up a map and you have to navigate your way to the little waypoint without the game ever telling you which way to go. Mm-hmm. Now, this was, I think, my main, probably one of my main points of frustration with this game. Because in the first area, I was like, okay, you know, it wants me to feel disorientated. This is a weird building with lots of facets and areas. And, you know, you know, it's supposed to be confusing. And I get to all the areas, so I go, okay, I've built my knowledge of where to go in this area, so I'm ready to do all the sorts of missions they're going to send me on in this area. And then the point to where they send you to a 
different area, the second area, I literally must have sighed and hanged my head because it it was like a kick in the teeth. It's like I've just, you know, navigated this area so I know it finally. I've got it on the mini map. And then you give me a new area and it's like, oh, there's a whole new area with you know, filled with collectibles that I have to navigate again. And you know, while the area was interesting, I have to admit, I got lost on entering the new area. I went to a place with far higher level enemies than I could handle at that point. Mm-hmm. And it felt tiresome. It felt like it was wearing me down. And again, with the collectibles, there are these boxes everywhere that you open, you know, to help to reward you from exploring these areas. But the collectibles you actually get from them are, you know, always repeating each other. And, you know, it's maybe not really something that you want or will use. Mm -hmm. And this comes to another point where when you're when you want to upgrade things, there's a system in which it will let you upgrade your crafting so that you can craft higher tier collectibles or mods, shall I say, personal Mm -hmm. mods and weapon mods. And I was looking at that and it was saying, okay, I need two house memory to be able to craft higher tier items. And it wasn't until the end of the game that I got the house memory that I needed till literally I had finished the main story that I I think you can only get that material in like the last area. Mm. It's like, so why have a crafting system if you're going to deny me from crafting the tiered items that I want until the end of the game because there's no point of me crafting common items because I've already found better collectibles in the boxes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that was that was extremely confusing for me. The the both the the map system and then the the craft and collectible system. Mm-hmm. And I will just say about the map as well that during my gameplay multiple times I pressed the button for that map to come up and the location names would come up but the map itself with all the rooms would not display. Hmm. I don't know if you if you found that as well. Um I I didn't on this playthrough but I think um to at least a majority of the extent I think the game is so ingrained to my mind at this stage that I kind of know where I'm going. Um but I imagine yeah. for sort of a newer player coming into it on their first playthrough and it, it is a confusing layout to get. Uh, I know on a couple of occasions on my first playthrough, I had to look up where I had to go for certain bits. And the 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 lack of an objective indicator uh, in some cases adds to the gameplay. I quite enjoy the ability to uh, map my own route and, you know, uh, kind of figure out where I have to go. But then on other occasions, uh, it gets very tedious, as you mentioned, and trying to navigate around the oldest house, you know, because it is such an unpredictable place because you can have you know uh, gaps in the ceiling or in the wall that maybe you wouldn't notice uh, or you wouldn't have become accustomed to noticing yet um as well on you know the feature of inventory management and using um upgrade items i think having a cap on the stuff that you first of all take into your inventory seems a bit ridiculous in a game like this considering 
Jessie's able to go around with like six different surface weapons in her back pocket and also carry all this as you mentioned like house memory and other collectible items that are used to craft upgrades so to then put a limit on the amount of you know upgrades you can have seems kind of like i don't know uh, putting a chip as a door as a door like uh, as a door stopper like it's not very effective and it just kind of annoys people um sorry that was a really stupid analogy um but with regards to say like as you mentioned you know you're picking up sort of abilities and weapon upgrades that sometimes double over and are very much often duplicates i feel like there should have been some system at least when you're coming to mid and late game where the stuff you pick up is of a certain rarity and isn't a duplicate of what you already have there should be a choice because uh, like if you're going if you're going late game and you're getting a common uh, lowest tier weapon upgrade you're not going to use that and it's just going to wait it's just going you're just going to waste time going in to get rid of stuff in your inventory when you could be you know using that time going off exploring side quests uh, channeling the main story and whatnot um so it's it's a, it's a good game um it has a solid backbone there's just a lot of little nitpick parts and well there are some major bits as well that we've kind of touched on but i think there's a lot of sort of gameplay elements that add up to this sort of frustration i, I think is the word i'm looking for i don't know if you'd agree with that it it is absolutely frustration i, I will say if i wasn't playing this for the podcast i probably would have stopped and not completed it hmm. i think that it's there's such a good game under this and i'm bemused by the the choices and the implementation of of the systems and you know what does this game want to be because there's kind of rpg elements where you're upgrading things and side missions and but then you know it, it sort of feels like actually it's it's rewarding you for taking the linear path and i don't feel very re rewarded at any point in this game for for all the the options it gives you mm -hmm. yeah that that is true all right um although i think I, I don't know if you want to touch on more bits but I, i'd kind of like to steer over a bit more to the story aspect of the game uh, and we'll we'll do it in a sort of a spoiler-free territory because we'll obviously have our spoiler talk after this which will be released on uh, Tuesday. Um, but I think, uh, again, similar to the medium last week, I think the story is where this game excels. Um, and I don't know if you if you want to start off with the story here. I I will let you talk to the story, uh, talk about the story first mm -hmm. because I think my take on the story might be different to yours. Yeah, so... Uh, I kind of gave a brief outline to how the premise is set up for this game, uh, just at the beginning of the of the episode. Uh, but kind of to expand on it, one part I left out is uh, at the very beginning, you're introduced to Jesse Faden, who has gone to the Bureau of Control to locate her brother, who went missing uh, due to an altered world event that becomes uh, fairly um, well known to the, to the player early on, um, and I. I, I see I'm struggling to try and tell this story in a way that doesn't really spoil it for people uh, who are just starting out but I think I'll talk a little bit about the introductory section because that's not huge spoilers and it's only very early game Um, you're introduced very quickly to uh, at least in my opinion probably one of my favorite characters in the game which is Ati who's the sort of the janitor of the oldest house in the Bureau of Control 
who we later learn uh, varying things about uh, that only kind of intrigue me more as to the premise behind him. Um, but he's kind of this odd fellow. Like, you can tell there's something not wholly right with him at the beginning. Um, and you also get a sense of how the the Bureau kind of functions, uh, especially with the mechanics to um, moving rooms and the way areas are morphed and formed uh, by, in the first very section, when you go up the stairs uh, at the foyer of the Bureau Control, and if you go too far and you meet Ati, if you attempt to go back then to the foyer, it's blocked off and the room has changed and there's no way for you to get back there unless you go the other way which then subsequently brings you back to the foyer even though that wasn't an option beforehand so the room changes and kind of messes with your head and there's an elevator then in that position uh, to where you first uh, to where you first came in that wasn't there beforehand so it already is presenting you with this idea that you are in uh, an area that is not bound by the normal laws of physics or or reality for that matter um i think the main strength of this story is that one it has a fantastic setting as we mentioned earlier that um you know prevent presents you with a large array of varying environments that all feel um connected together in some way or another through the oldest house and the second thing is that the actors uh, and well i say actors and voice actors because remedy do this thing in pretty much all their games where there's an element of uh, real life acting incorporated in this case it's with the sort of the video documentaries that uh, casper darling leaves around throughout the game so the performances both in real life and through voice acting are both phenomenal and um, there's there's some story elements that i kind of want to touch into more in the sort of the the spoiler episode which i don't think are uh, worth talking about here just yet but i do want to say that the writers sam lake and josh stubbs i think did a really good job at creating a compelling interesting story for the most part um and you know the characters are a little strange uh, but i've kind of come to the conclusion that you know you'd want to be a little strange if you were working in the federal bureau of control and um, given the line of work um they're fleshed out quite well um at least the majority of them are uh, there's maybe one or two discrepancies i have with them but overall i love the inspiration it takes from the scp universe which for those who don't know is the secure contain protect um sort of it was a fan idealized website that kind of you know had users submitted um i'm going to use the terminology of control altered world events that this game clearly takes uh, very uh, very good uh, inspiration from and one of the examples of that is the fridge segment which i won't go into anymore until the spoiler episode but just i, I know you'll know what i'm talking about connor Um there's a lot yeah. of brilliantly scripted story moments in this uh, that incorporates both the sort of the open world aspect to it as well um, i've kind of i've rambled on a little bit but there's just so much i love about the story element of this game um, and i kind of want to see what, what your thoughts are just kind of adding on from that Oh man, I I feel f for the beginning section of this game, I was not enthralled by the story because I failed to recognise that there was enough of a presence of one. I felt like I was handed off to different characters and different areas who had different jobs for me. And it wasn't until maybe about halfway through that things started to get interesting for me 
Although I will say, and we'll talk about this in the spoiler episode, I don't think the payoff satisfied me. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it's hard. I don't know if you have more of a knowledge of the story because you were reading more of the collectibles. I there I recognize there are massive things I would have missed and generally I think of myself as a casual gamer who plays in the the small time they have so when I play a game I, I will usually do it trying mm. to play it quite linearly to get pro you know when I hop on for an hour I want to feel like I've accomplished something in that hour you know I, I don't want to play games where after half an hour, I've only just started to get into the systems that build up rewarding gameplay. I, I want to feel like I've shot up some enemies and had some fun. Mm -hmm. So perhaps I didn't delve into this game enough to appreciate the expanded narrative. But it definitely did some things that were interesting. and I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing what worked for me and what didn't. Mm -hmm. Um. I, I would, yeah, no, that that's a, a fair point. I think uh, a large level of the story, or at least in-depth narrative of this, has to be kind of actively suck out, or is that even a word? <laughs> actively looked for. Um, like with regards to, say, uh, different documents, I think reveal sort of more in-depth, um, you know, variants of, say, the oldest house and what it represents. I think there's some really good uh, bits uh, especially when you go to the mail room or when you go to i can't remember the area now but it's pretty much where they file all the altered world events like you get a lot of different uh you get a lot of different info on some i i would suppose that's the real inspiration from scp you know the sort of the documents talking about you know the different altered world events like it, it really fleshes out that universe to make it feel like the hiss aren't the only thing in the world that have ever been altered or the items that you pick up along the way have been the only things altered. There are stuff that you still haven't seen out there uh, that do exist. Um, I think those are really interesting. I, I do take on board, though, that, you, like, as you mentioned, the story kind of passes you off to new main characters. And I think, in a sense, that's a way to kind of introduce people, uh, introduce you as Jesse to everyone, or at least what your main sort of team is going to be in the Bureau of Control. However, saying that it could have been done better, um, like there's sort certain discrepancies where like, and this is this is no major spoiler at all, but Jesse kind of forgets completely about uh, her brother Dylan for like certain segments when you feel like she should really be asking questions about where is he and what's going on. Um, but that's again something we'll dive a little bit deeper into in the spoiler review. Um, I, I'm kind of, funnily enough, I'm, I'm kind of struggling to think of other things that we should really touch on that don't involve spoilers uh, outside of story and gameplay. If you have anything else you think you might know, be. I, I do have, I do have a few things built up that I, I can clear quickly. Mm -hmm. um, something stuck in my head about what you said with the service weapon, how it becomes obsolete. There, there is a moment early on in the game where you find that shooting enemies in the head causes them to stagger. But due to the amount of abilities you gain later on, you don't even, th at least in my experience, you don't even think about shooting enemies in the head. You're just using a range of your abilities to uh, create devastation, really. Mm -hmm. Now, 
I've said that I sort of became frustrated with this game and, you know, was doing it mainly for the podcast. What helped in that was actually what I thought was a really interesting implementation, uh, the assist mode. I don't know if you've played with this at all. Um, I may have, if you kind of refresh my memory on it a little bit. So I believe that there are sliders that you can put assist mode on and then mm-hmm. there are sliders for how much damage you want Jesse to take, how much damage you want Jesse to give, and then like an energy or uh, ammo reload speed. Yeah, this is on the um, same page as like where they have the options for god mode and all that, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. But, you know, deciding exactly what you want. Now, I... When I was playing this game, I decided that I didn't want to die, basically, because uh, I didn't want any setbacks. I wanted to enjoy the combat. And, you know, that the combat is enjoyable. I'd say the combat is, is what made this game for me. And if anything, it was the uh, traversal of the areas that broke it for me. I, I feel like I spent way too much time running around aimlessly not knowing where to go. And I just wanted to go to the next room where I could shoot up some people. Mm. So I kept flicking my damage uh, to about 70 to 80%. So, you know, uh, it it was a level where you'd die if you were stupid, but you probably wouldn't die. Now, I'll say that I definitely enjoyed the game a lot more when I got Levitation. Because flying around is a lot of fun, and that definitely added an element of fun for me. And it's definitely in the combination of abilities and enemies, and you know the different things you can bring into the combat, which makes this game. Well, how many times can I say fun? But there's another ability called Seize, where you turn an enemy to your side and they fight for you. Mm-hmm. Now. This kind of brings up one of the main problems I had with the enemies in that they are possessed employees of the Federal Bureau of Control. And actually, when I seized, you know, two enemies, I think it might allow you, and they started working for you, I cared about them a lot. I was like, oh, I've got my own guys fighting for me against, you know, you know, they became like Marines in Halo. Hmm. And... Uh, you know, I felt for them, and to just see them kind of, you know, their heads just explode after a time, it's just like, oh, that's sad. Um, but, you know, there's there could have been so much nuance with the enemies, you know, other than just possessed by this enemy called the Hiss. What if they had that Bioshock thing of, you know, harvest or, or rescue, you know, with little sisters? You know, what if they implemented that actually all the people are still in there and you can possibly save them or that when you're killing them, you're actually killing innocent people who are still trapped inside? There could have been so much complexity to that enemy. And I feel like seizing, while yes, just a combat strategy in which you get enemies onto your side, there could have been nuance to that, and I'm disappointed that that wasn't there. Hmm. Yeah, because uh, it is. Um, it's there... actually. I just kind of want to add because it's interesting at the very sort of beginning of the game, and again, this isn't a major spoiler. Uh, Jesse tries to free one of the employees who's just kind of dangling there uh, from the hiss's control, um, but to like no avail. I think the person dies. Um, 
<laughs> then it's it's interesting. Uh, this just kind of popped this idea into my head, like that. Then you get the seize, um, the seize ability, and I'm kind of interested to know what would happen if you just tried that on one of the sort of uh, lifeless bodies that's just kind of floating around, as opposed to say one of the soldiers. Like, what would the effect be? And I think that's a something that hasn't been explored. Yeah, and that you know that instance definitely makes me think. You know, why am I not allowed to try this? And there was a certain point in the game where I was stuck. Oh, that will be another point I come on to. Um, that I didn't know what to do, so I started shooting the floating uh, bodies in the air. And there are there are floating people who are kind of consumed by the hiss, but aren't made antagonistic. Mm-hmm. And I shot them, and they just sort of exploded into uh, dust or or vapor or whatever. And I felt bad because you know there could have still still been people, but no, apparently not. Um, but there, there are various games which, again, you know, like the medium. I, I had to had to look up a few of the puzzles. I even, I even messaged you, Aldrin, <laughs> saying, "What am I doing here? There's these whiteboards with symbols on." And it turns out that's for, a common that's a common puzzle, problem for a lot of people. I think that one <laughs> for that particular puzzle, I think I would have struggled with a pen and paper. But there's nowhere where the, there's there's nowhere where the game would tell you you might need a pen and paper for this section. So I assumed, no, I'm being dumb. The The game would leave me more clues than this, where, no, they, it actually wants you to be like an Einstein, you know, inhabit Casper Darling's mind for, for a minute. Mm. Uh, and there are various times where there's puzzles with power boxes and I, I you know, I'd simply get stuck because, you know, what am I doing here? It's not made clear to me. And I'd, I'd look it up and I'd go, oh, it wants me to do that, but it, there's no way I would know to do that because on one hand, you give me these power boxes, you give me the power slots, I put the power boxes in, how am I supposed to know that I have to take the left one out? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it it would be me playing about, I suppose, and think, oh, I've solved it. But there are many times, and there's many times where you're traversing a hotel as well, and there's a particular puzzle in the hotel where you ring the bell and a door opens and you go in the door and you come out the door and you ring the bell and you go in the door again. And now for me, I did not recognize that when you ring the bell, it actually changes which door opens because the the Mm -hmm. room looks exactly the same. So I didn't get that that was like a spot the difference puzzle. Mm. I feel like throughout this game... I think I've heard people compare it to like a, a retro PS2 game where you're calling up your friends and going, oh, have you tried this? Or, you know, oh, what's the solution to this thing? Or, or you know, pre-internet where you couldn't do that and there are secrets hidden. But I feel like those shouldn't be hidden in the narrative where you have to progress because there's just such a lack of direction and in the instructions it gives you. And, you know, maybe this plays into the disorientation of the oldest building that i was talking about earlier where Mm -hmm. you are in this strange confusing place and jesse does feel out of her element you know maybe it's trying to do that but as a player with little time to feel like i'm running around or just stuck for you know 10 minutes it's not really nice when i just want to you know shoot up some enemies and there is a fantastic sequence in this game where you know far 
removed from the other combat sequences where like a, a rock or a heavy metal song plays and mm-hmm. the environment shifts so that there are these really interesting combat situations and see and it's a whole scripted sequence and that was amazing i loved it i wish the whole game could be like that but it's too busy trying to do all these different things and they don't really match up for me mm-hmm. yeah i think uh, it's definitely so, uh i think it's certain elements for it, it's a it's a cure it's a curated game i think for for most um i think it, it's it, it's a fantastic spectacle uh, with some interesting narrative elements uh, that you know you'd expect from remedy um i think if we were to i think if i was to sort of describe it whilst i really enjoy it i think it would be the gaming equivalent of oscar bait uh i think you know it's a it's something that's created to you know appeal to the masses and to tell an interesting story um but at the kind of the surface i think the gameplay elements and you know it doesn't really know what it wants to be and there's elements of it that aren't particularly enjoyable to come back and play you know i i kind of i I rate a game out of its replayability and this is one of those titles that if you're not really invested in kind of hearing that story again it's not worth coming back to saying that though i think it's worth at least trying Uh, i think it's definitely worth a download if it's especially if it's for free on game pass Uh, i think if you'll know kind of fairly quick maybe first hour or two in if this is something you want to get involved in because i think the general pacing uh, of the opening segment is a good indicator of the pacing of the entirety of the game bar maybe one or two elements as you mentioned um so i i would say to, to people to download it give it a go if you're into sort of if you've enjoyed remedy titles in the past if you're into sort of third person shooter with a bit of you know tacked on story well i wouldn't say tacked on that's a bit uh, that's a bit unfair on the thing i think it's very much a good a good story there um i would say it's worth downloading for people who are interested in that sort of stuff what would you think i am glad this game is on game pass if i had paid 60 pound for this game i would be incredibly upset i feel like it's one of those games where you have to try and figure out if it's your thing for me as as a casual gamer i don't think i'd want to put in the time kind of messing around in the environment with all the collectibles and the puzzles and everything you know i just i want to shoot things that's always the thing is like in the doom and i although i get doom now i sort of i went back to like the original doom as like oh no there were these hidden rooms and secret areas this has always been a part of doom and therefore i shouldn't be annoyed in doom eternal where i i do a platforming section or i have to look for these little uh secret things because that's always been a part of Doom, and you know that that has some charm. But ultimately, when I do play Doom, I just want to shoot things, uh, and that is the problem here. Is that you know, I'd say yeah, download it and try it. For me, I don't think it's worth all the time I wasn't enjoying myself. Mm-hmm. But it is an interesting game. Okay. Yeah, well, I think, uh, again, obviously the beauty of Game Pass is that you can download a game, and if you don't like it, you can kind of just delete it, uh, unless you're like me, and you download it, and you have such bad internet that it takes maybe a day or two, and so you're kind of forced to play a bit more of it, so you get the use out of it. Um, With that being said, uh, I think we'll wrap this episode up here. We will have a spoiler... um, 
you know, spoiler episode coming out on Tuesday regarding Control. And next week's game we're going to be looking into is Yakuza 0. Uh, that'll be an interesting title because I believe uh, both of us have no prior sort of knowledge or uh, insight into this series. Uh, so you'll be getting a fresh take from both of us uh, on that one. Uh, if you've enjoyed uh, listening to this podcast, you can give us a, uh, sub- you can subscribe to us or you can follow us uh, on whatever podcast medium you're listening to us on. You can go and follow our pages on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and if you'd like to get involved, you can also email us on our business email too. Uh, with that being said, I hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll talk to you all next week.